Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be dissecting all the action from Derby Weekend in the Premiership, talking about a massive win for Connacht in the URC. Plus, we're joined by Scotland skipper Jamie Ritchie. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure that you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Got anything for me, lads? You got anything to tell me? What's happened? Well, it happens every year. Come on. Something to tell you. The, the moustache? Well, that happens every year. Your birthday? Fuck off. Is it happy birthday? Well, it was on Friday. Thank you very happy much, birthday. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. Genuine. Didn't air off you. Didn't air off a soul. No one. No card. <laughs> no I feel bad now. vouchers. Nothing. Didn't air off you. So, I'm so sorry. Like, it's one of those... No, no, that's fine. Sh- no, that's fine. It's not that important. It's... No, but what what you've got to do, James, is you've got to put a message out on Facebook saying thank you to everyone who's messaged me on my Facebook wall. So who's we on, so we but know. I'd be lying, who's on but that'd be me lying. Who is, is on Facebook? I'd be oh, like, lads, I feel awful not, now, matter. James. No, it doesn't matter. No, it don't, don't matter. Lads. It does matter. It's James, all right, happy it birthday does. for Friday. Blokes are shit. Thanks. Blokes do not know when people's birthdays are unless their better half tells them it's so and so's birthday. I'm so sorry. I always feel awkward on my birthdays. It's not a big thing, lads. You know. 41 now though isn't it 41 where the hell have the years gone i did see a picture of you the other day right in a edinburgh shirt there was this thing on instagram oh or my twitter with gosh it, it didn't it wasn't like shitty shirts ever but it was, it was yeah it was kind of different shirts there was like a camo one that i think the bulls wore and then there was the edinburgh one stad Francais. I, I had to double take at the picture and went who is that wildebeest absolute minging bit of kit <laughs> like, what a man he used to be and now look, it's fine wine, Jim. Well, you say that. I went through a lull, as we know, thyroid. I feel better than I've ever felt. This is all about me. Not that it's about me or not that I'm not bothered that no one in our team just said happy birthday. I do feel awful. I'm not going to lie. How was your weekend then, James? Thank you very much. Yeah. So we were meant to go to Iceland, me and my beautiful wife, Rebecca. You did tell me and I'm like, reason for that trip? I didn't want to say. You know, that it was the birthday, because it's 41, it's a bit embarrassing being that old anyway. And Hold on, I'm 43. Is that even more embarrassing? Well, it's not, because like your thing is like weight and weight loss. Mine is like age and... Hair loss. Hair loss and 
all the, them things that go with it. So you've got different things going on. I've got other things going on. But we were meant to go to Iceland and we didn't go because of the volcano that apparently might go off between now and 10 years' time. So I was keen to go, but we might not have got back. And I didn't mind that. But Beck thought if we didn't get back for six months, it could be a potential issue with the kids. So Who would have had the kids for that long? That That is genuinely the problem, isn't it? Mm. Like, if that volcano goes... You ain't getting out there for it. You have to swim back. Hell of a story, though, isn't it? You know, if yeah. you get caught there for six months, hell of a story. Jim, have you done any sort of life reflection now? You know, you're, you're at 41. You're, you're thinking maybe maybe I could have done this better or maybe I'd like to do that now that I'm heading into my twilight years. Twilight years? How harsh are you? Man, I'm not dying, <laughs> am I? I'm not thinking, oh, my God, I wish I did this differently or did that differently. I'm 41. I'm probably over halfway, let's be honest. But no, I've not had that reflection. I've just thought... My goodness me, where's the time gone? You're not coming out with any inspirational quotes like Danny Cipriani is every two hours. My gosh, it's not about me. My book's not about me. Hang on, it's called Who Am I? It is about you. Write you a book. <laughs> no, I'm not writing a book. I would never write a book. I had a brilliant time with Rebecca. We had some time in London. Talking of books, went to watch Book of Mormon on Saturday. You seen that? <laughs> Why are you laughing, Andy? The closest right? you've come to a book in a long time. Well, exactly. It was hardly a book. It's actually quite hilarious. Have you seen that show, lads? I haven't, no. It's good. Good fun, though, Jim. Happy birthday. Thank you. I was going to say, Andy Ray, you got anything to say? Happy birthday. Enjoy your final few years, Jim. I think you've lived them well. Thank you. A few days late, so happy birthday. Andy Ray, have you got over last week's emotional roller coaster that you were on? Everyone's been so lovely. Crazy response on Twitter. I've had five messages. Have you actually? Well, yeah. I saw three, so I don't know where the other two have come from. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the funny thing, right? You've had five messages on social media saying whatever it said good riddance or no it didn't say that but like, <laughs> i've had about 10 15 people send me their cv and say now he's going any chance of an upgrade and this is what i think loads of people have been in touch so thank you everyone for sending in your cvs and saying that they'll do a better job than andy wrote i don't believe they will andy it's not difficult it has a competition looking they i'll be honest i didn't have the brain capacity to look at much last week well what were you up to well i had a lunch a very long lunch on tuesday with Stuart Hogg. Oh, God. Long lunch or long lunch, dinner, breakfast? No, there wasn't breakfast. There wasn't breakfast. I couldn't eat for a day or so. This was before all the scrum bag come out, yeah? What yeah. a name. Out of yeah. all the names, <laughs> we don't want to jest about the front news of the Sun newspaper, but hell of a name, eh? Scrum bag. Yeah. Like, yeah. as in, sorry, Hoggy, obviously not amazing, but out of all the names you could pick, considering he's never been in a scrum, scrum bag's a good one. Uh, yeah. Wednesday, I didn't know what was going on because of Tuesday lunch. Got to give a shout out to me mum. What's happened? Mrs. Goode's gone in for a full knee replacement on Wednesday. So I had to go and get her out of hospital on Saturday. The old boy's had a fall over at home while mum's in hospital. So it's been carnage. I've been up and down that bloody motorway quite a few times. So I haven't read all the CVs yet. I haven't looked at all the candidates, but it won't be an upgrade, Andy Rowe, I don't think. I bet Mrs. Goode's just got on with it though, isn't she? Like knee replacement. Like women are tough, aren't they? Like Mrs. Yeah, Goode yeah. had to teach me and the mongrels of my generation. So She is a warrior and she was more bothered about that at home on his own when she was very annoyed with herself that she took three days to get out of hospital instead of two. I'm like, mum, relax. Just get yourself better. But they're a different generation. I'm moaning about anything. Jim's moaning about anything. The older people just get on with it, don't they? Yeah, but your Mrs. Goode is hard as... Old school. Old school's the word. Big shout out to Mrs. Good. I hope you're feeling better. Jim, you mentioned last week that there could be some more financial trouble in the Premiership. No, I didn't. No, no, that's a bit harsh on me, like bringing the game down. 
he's getting older, so he's he's mm. more defensive now. You're getting cynical in your old age, mate. <laughs> I am getting cynical. Maybe that's what did I even say that? I can't remember saying that. <laughs> I think I did. Just deny it. Yeah, it wasn't me. It was Goody. <laughs> no, I did. What did you say then, James? I, I said that a club was late. I just said it in passing, and then now people have latched on it. Maybe I should be very careful and choose my words no. wisely, which would be a shift. No, okay, all right. Well, I said that a club paid their players late, which was the truth. I just heard that through the grapevine, and then who was it, Jim? Well, who was the club that came out and said something? I don't know whether uh, I'm Exeter, putting two. Was it? Oh, oh, was it Exeter? Was it? Just yeah. I mean, I didn't name Exeter. I refused to name the club but maybe they've just named themselves. I don't know. But they're all right. Extra all right. They're all right? Yeah, they're all right. They've half their cap, haven't they? So they should be yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the squad. They're regenerating. Tony Rowe's there. He's not going to let anything happen to that club. More than needs to happen. But they also are spending within their means at the minute. And obviously, Tony Rowe sold off what he had to sell off for various reasons. And hopefully, the, the ground's on good footing because it's a great club. Goody, you know us talking about that. Yep. And there's a lot of negativity about the game and Rob Baxter and other people saying that if people like us talk about it or if people are referencing that, it becomes more difficult for sponsors to come in. It's a hard balance, isn't it? Because you've almost got to call it out and say, well, if players aren't getting paid, then there's clearly an issue. Mm. The game needs sponsors. The players need to get paid. And this comes back to the discussions we were having last week, like transparency of what is... Extra Chiefs direction. Like, are they telling their players? Are they telling their fans? Are they telling their sponsors? I don't know. Or maybe it should be kept quiet. But all of the sports, there is complete transparency. But us just referencing it last week, or sorry, specifically more me referencing it last week, seems to like have shone a light on it. It feels like other people need to come out and almost defend the situation. But surely we should get more knowledge on what the direction of travel is. Like Newcastle is a perfect example. Like we can go around the houses and bury Newcastle the fact that they nearly came close to sale even though they got 40 points spot on them. But we're talking about their salary and their players and the fact that they don't want to invest. Is that true? Is it not true? We're extra late paying their players. Is that true? Should we say it? Should we not? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we do this podcast and we, we talk a lot of stuff on here about different issues within the game. And in reality, we've got every right to talk about what we want because it's our podcast. And when we hear stuff, we will talk about it. But there is also that thing of, it's all very well Rob Baxter saying that, how did the players feel when the money didn't land in their bank account for however long it took? So whether you agree and say, oh, you shouldn't talk about it because it makes the problem look bigger than it is, pay them on time then. We're not politicians either. Like The fans are the stakeholders in the game and the fans are the ones listening to the podcast. So... If you want transparency, we've got to be able to talk about it. Yeah, things. yeah. And listen, it is always a tender subject because we've lost three premiership clubs. We've lost Jersey Reds. You know, there's rumours that others are seriously struggling. Take Leicester, my club. They had to have an injection. And we spoke about it on here of 12 or 13 million quid from you know, the two main shareholders, Peter Tom and Tom Scott. Otherwise, the club would have gone into administration. And they openly said that as a club. So they were transparent in where things were at. Some people don't like that transparency when you're going through a tough time, the reality is you don't want it talked about, but we're authentic, we're honest, we say what we hear, we say what we think, and unfortunately for Exeter, they paid the players late, apparently, but we do hope that they're on a sound financial footing and they're doing exceptionally well for what they're probably spending on their squad. You look at their squad now, and we said it before, Henry Slade, superstar. How many of the superstars are there? Scotty Seo, you know, and then you've got a few grafters, not masses of big names and then a load of young kids that are performing exceptionally well. So they've got a good recipe at the minute. 
you know, you compare that to other clubs who you could potentially say are underachieving for what they spend. But, yeah, that's the beauty of the Prem. At the minute, every club, and it's a precarious position, what I don't really agree with, and as we're talking about financials, is the salary cap's going up next year, back up to 6.4 million. We've had one year at five, and clubs are still struggling financially. So it's a danger. And I know some of the clubs are really annoyed that just over 25% of clubs voted against keeping the salary cap at 5 million. So they had to have 75% of the clubs to agree to change something. And one of the clubs, and I won't name the four clubs that said no to the salary cap being kept at 5 million, but it's not hard to work out who. Off the back of that, they're putting the salary cap back up and clubs still can't afford it with revenues coming through the door. But it just means that perhaps clubs are going to lose another 1.4 million because that's the difference. But it is what it is. We are where we are. It's going back up to 6.4 next year and the clubs still can't afford it. So you just hope that they're run in a way that is as sustainable as possible without just shooting back up to 6.4 million without revenue coming through the door and la di da di da and then we see another club go bust because we're at the minimum now that you can probably have for a, a viable league, 10 teams. We also know that there's a whole issue around the new agreement between the RFU and Premiership 1 and 2. Premiership 2 has been put to bed, hasn't it? Because all the championship clubs voted against it and... You know, there's some big decisions to be made around the future of the game. What does it look like? Currently, 10 teams are still in business. There's very little chance of promotion and relegation and they're looking to close that off as well. So, Bill Sweeney, what are you doing? Well, of course you saw the news on Marrow. He's going to have to have his salary cut by like 50% or something like that because they've got Farrell in there as well. Well, yeah, but that's because of the marquee. So the marquee that you could have too, the they're still sticking with one marquee and Marrow and Owen are the marquees. So Owen will stick as marquee. And I thought Marrow, I told you, would leave Saracens. That would be my thought process around that. Highly sought after. Hasn't been on the kind of form that he was. He has over the last few games. Well, there you go, Andrew. Yes, he has. He's out of contract. He knows what he's doing. Does he have the gravitas of someone like Sia Khaleesi? No. Was he on that kind of trajectory of having that? I felt he was, and he's dropped off slightly. But would someone in France want him for a million pound? Probably. Or Japan. But France, probably more so, the top 14, would look to bend over backwards to take a Maratoji for their team. And everything's pointing towards now that he's going to take a 50% pay cut. So, Are you announcing it that he signed him? He's staying? No, I've got no idea. This is <laughs> oh. what I'm reading. This is uh, the rumours, if we can talk about rumours. I thought you mentored him. I mentored him and then he didn't like me after we started. <laughs> Why didn't he like you? I don't know. He unfollowed me on social media. And we'll come on to people unfollowing and blocking Joe Marler, who looks like he's already retired at the weekend. But we'll come on to that. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I respect Marrow. I like him. I thought he would have left Saracens. It seemed to be like he needed a freshen up, but everything's pointing towards him staying at a 50% pay cut, whatever that is. Those boys did hammer Quinns at the weekend, though, didn't they? Oh. Yeah, oh. they did. Like, Saracens were good. They were physical. Moore was very strong. That is a game I've played in before, so I understand the history and the edginess. And we were chatting about the derbies, the derby weekend, some of the big ones. For me, that's one of the best ones I've played in. They're all great, but that's one of the most niggly one that I've played in. And Quinns physically didn't turn up. Yes, they tried hard. There was moments of sparkle from Marcus Smith. I thought Lewis Liner was fantastic again. Tyrone Green looks brilliant. Will Evans around the breakdown in parts of the first half, but physically they were just nowhere near it. They got absolutely slippered off the park by Saracens. You're at home there, lads, and you've had 40 points put on you and you've not really fired a shot. 
So Harlequins were a team that you spoke about last week, how good they've been this season. But you look at Saracens, back to full complement. Big players turned up. Thought the back row, I know. Christie was out of this world, wasn't he? Yeah, he, was, he got man of the match last week against Newcastle. I thought he was good. Everyone's saying he was out of this world, like he got man of the match. I thought Juan Martin Gonzalez was phenomenal. Yeah, he was. I've always been impressed with him. Every time I've seen him play, I've been mega impressed with him. 23 years old. Hell of a signing. What's happened to Quinns? Because a couple of years ago, they were the next big thing. They'd won the premiership. They'd revolutionised the way you could play in the competition. Physicality. And let's be honest, so Quinns last week went to Welford Road and did a job on Leicester. Physical, set-piece was good. Picking goo was good. Maybe they emptied the tank at Leicester last week. And Saracens, a lot of their boys had been rested because they went to Newcastle the week before and they came back. And clearly, the emotional levels of Quinns were nowhere near where they needed to be to beat a big physical Saracens team. And they had loads of possession, Quinns. You know, they are a good team, but they got bullied a bit, didn't they? They couldn't win the collisions. They got Esther Hayes and the biggest man in the world. I thought Tompkins played exceptionally well. And Saracens dealt with injuries as well. Let's not forget, Alex Ozofsky goes off early. Ben Earl was injured in the warm-up. I know he's only on the bench, I think, but they just dealt with everything chucked at them. And then game management, I thought Farrell was outstanding. Quinns are still they're a good side, but it just showed the difference between the big dogs and guys that want to be the big dogs at the weekend. Saracens are the big dogs. They can turn it on when they want. They can win in all sorts of different ways. And it wasn't a Owen Farrell versus Marcus Smith and one was way better than the other. Owen Farrell, in that Saracens jersey, class. And I know he's speaking to a few people, he's driving change and driven a lot of the change around Saracens and how they're now playing and attacking and moving the ball and offloading. And and that's what I think he supposedly wants to do with England, but they weren't allowed to under Steve. So you hope that evolution's there. Faz was clear. He's even doing interviews and doing selfies and smiling and different bloke, Jim. Great bloke. Brilliant at Saracens. Everyone's talking about Marcus Smith. I'm not going to say that there was a gulf of difference, but in terms of management of the game and driving your team around and playing to the strengths, yeah, there's still a few issues around Faz. You saw the interactions with a few of the players, with their interactions with the ref. But, mate, he's a quality player at that level. It's like how you get the best out of him internationally, which you did see, like you saw in the semi-final, didn't you, against South Africa, you had that. But you saw glimpses of brilliance from Marcus Smith, like the quick tap, Something out of nothing, but as we know, to win championships and to win Champions Cup titles and the consistency, you need to be able to drive your team around and have that confidence to do that. So you saw a bit of niggle between Marcus Smith and Owen, didn't you, on a couple of the tackles and stuff like that. So it's great, like it really is, but it's undeniable how good Faz is. Pointless going through the weeds of it again. Saracens are going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. And you look at what's coming through as well. I thought Ollie Hartley. Yeah, I was about to say. Was absolutely outstanding. He? he is, yeah. Rangy, tall, never heard of him. <laughs> and he came on and did a proper job. So to someone like that to fit in there, you're playing with the likes of Owen Farrell, you're, you're up against a World Cup winner in Andre Esterhazen in the centre as well. So what's coming through, it just seems like all positive around series at the minute. And you even got a name drop by Claire Thomas on comms. You hear that? Slip of the tongue. Apparently I was walking through the Harlequins defence. It was Alex Gude, but there we go. Yeah, I did enjoy that though. Leicester reverted to type a little bit to get their second win of the comp. Yeah, there's big pressure on Leicester. And I was there in the Andy Gude suite at the weekend. Who with? Who do we have? We had Julian White. Really? What was he saying? White, he probably needs a what bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, has he put on a bit? 
Well, he's farming, isn't he? So he's eating well, on the tractor. No, 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 no. That's not what I asked. I asked, has he put on a bit? You tell him. You tell him. No, he's... Why? Do it. I dare oh, you. Yeah. No chance. Uh, no, Whitey's good fun. And I had Jack Van Portfleet, actually. How's he coming along? So he did two separate Q&As. He's class, mate. He's getting there. Obviously devastated around missing the World Cup, but he was good fun on the Q&A, actually. You know, sometimes boys don't want to say anything or this, like, oh, yeah, we're just trying to get better this week. And he was full noise telling about his trip to France and the World Cup and everything like that. So good guys. But yeah, I mean, it was nervous before the game because you're looking at the league and... As we said earlier, it's a 10-team league, so you play 18 games, and we're a third of the way through the season now. Sounds crazy, that, doesn't it? Six games in. Had Leicester have lost at the weekend, they're so far off mm. the top four, it's unbelievable, had they lost that game. So there was massive pressure. It wasn't do or die, but it wasn't far off that in terms of before the game, they were played 5-1-1, lost four. And the fact that they lost to Quinns at home the week before added to the pressure. You've got your local rivals, Northampton, come to town who won there last year and are on good form. But if you can't scrub, you can't win. And discipline for Northampton was a big issue. I've worked out Carl Dixon. I know Lee Dixon was a scrum half at Northampton for years, his brother. That means that Carl Dixon was a Leicester Tigers fan, apparently, because he gave Leicester a lot of penalties and they were fair. Tommy Raphael was ridiculously good. He makes a big difference for Leicester. Yeah, and that's where Leicester... Last week, Will Evans for Quinns was outstanding because mm. Tom Raphael was injured last week. But he came back in. Jasper Visa carried it about 400 times. Got boomed a couple of times, but just gets back up. He's got no teeth in the front, smiles and goes again. Horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. It was like an old school Leicester victory. Like the game before bonus points came in where it was just kick goals, scrummage, line-out drive, pick and goo. And that's what they had to revert to type against a Northampton team that we know are bloody dangerous and you know, Sam Matavesi's try towards the end just shows how good they are ball in hand but Saints' discipline was shocking and Leicester went old school and I felt a little bit for Saints Joe Hayes had done a job at Tighthead I was a bit good for him he'd done really well and then they'd reaped the benefits of a scrum penalty five metres out and there you could feel that it was going to come to a penalty try or something like that because they were so dominant he like, gets hooked off Dan Cole comes on the whole place goes wild because it's Dan Cole and he's walking off like, oh, they're not cheering for me walking off. They're cheering for Coley coming on, but he'd done a job and Coley comes on, just dismantles the scrum. And that was the difference, really. I might get a phone call off Deeks this week because he didn't phone me last week because I called out their desire and saying that we need to see a bit of see you next Tuesday, which, like you just alluded to, they did. So, Deeks, if you're there, it was my birthday last week, mate. Just, just let me know. <laughs> best mate, best man at your wedding. Just, you know, best man at mine as well. Just just give me a call, mate. You won. Finn Russell, his kicking was the difference for Bath, wasn't it? Yeah, a bit of that. bit of the fact that we spoke about him last week. Ollie Lawrence was silly, silly good. Ollie Lawrence now, it's not come of the hour, come of the man, because he's been there or thereabouts. I go back to the conversation with Ollie Lawrence's dad when we were at Worcester. We're like, yeah, mate, heard it all before. And he was chatting about this young lad coming through. We're like, all right, mate, yeah. And he was clearly right about his son, which happens one in every hundred dads that we chat to. I think now is his time. He looks like he's fit. He looks like he's hungry. He looks comfortable. That relationship with Finn Russell, I'm not saying that Manu is at the end of his career, but we know that he's not at the start of his career, in the middle. This, for me now, feels like it's Ollie Lawrence's time. It feels like he's really gone to that next level now. In fairness to Ollie Lawrence, you go back to last season when he went to Bath, he was tearing up trees mm. as well. 
just needs to be given the opportunity regularly in an England jersey. And he was on the bench a lot during the World Cup, but he was class. I think Bristol will be really kicking themselves. You watch the game back, very tight game. Bath deserved to win. Finn's kicking was a different. Sheedy misses a couple. Tough kicks. But, you know, there's fine margins. The biggest one was Piers O'Connor. I love Piers O'Connor. I coached him when he was at Wasps coming through. And he's got the biggest two-on-one in the first half you've ever seen. Tucks it under one arm, gets held up. And they missed probably three clear-cut try-scoring opportunities. Bristol did. And when it becomes a close game like that, you know, you've got Finn kicking as well as he did. And Bath will probably look at it and go, we should have been further ahead in the first half. But then actually, when you nut down and look at the opportunities that Bristol coughed up, I thought Bristol could have won that game and they'll be frustrated. But it just shows momentum, Finn, Ben Spencer, ridiculously good. Ollie Lawrence, I thought he was brilliant. Sam Underhill, they're all performing to a level that is consistently good week in, week out. We always know a lot of these players have been good players and they can be sparkling one week, non-existent the next. And I'm not saying names in that, but they are good week in, week out at the minute and Finn's kind of the glue that brings it all together. Gloucester showed a little bit more on the weekend, but still not quite enough against Exeter. Yeah, much better. Obviously, they were disappointed with their second half. And I think George Skivington said it was embarrassing last week at home against Bath. So there's obviously a bit of pain in there. And they took it to Exeter. Should have won the game. What were they, nine points up with five or six minutes to go? Really impressed with Clement at eight. He's a big boy, isn't he? Big boy, carries well. Reece Samick was putting it about a bit. They interviewed Dom Aldock in the game and he just talked about the DNA of what they've trying to instill since George took over. And it was a lot more evident this week in terms of desire, work rate, kind of fundamentals that some teams just put in week in, week out, and it's trying to get that consistency. And Well, that's the thing with Gloucester, just on that point specifically. And you've been in games, I've been in games where you get embarrassed the week before. It's easy then to turn it on, isn't it? Emotionally, the game is like that and you give it a million percent, which they clearly did. We'll talk about the decision at the end of the game, which cost Gloucester the game, but it just shows the level that you need to be at to wear a Gloucester jersey and everything around that. Like That's the frustration for me as a Gloucester fan, watching how the lack of desire was there at the beginning of the season. You talk about that last panel with Jim. Tough one, because Ellington makes the tackle and just gets caught in that tackle zone. And referees now, the first thing they look for is tackler rolling away, especially when you've got someone competing. Now, Chris Harris was perfectly legal in competing, how he competed for the ball, the jackal over it. And he looks to the naked eye that he's got a turnover. But I think, to be fair, it was the right decision because Ellington is just stuck in the tackle zone, doesn't roll away quick enough. So the extra clearer has to stumble over him and therefore Chris Harris wins the battle of the shoulders to the ball. Looks like he's getting a perfectly good turnover. If that's any other time in the game, as a Gloucester fan, you'd be like, yeah, fair process is tackling needs to roll away. So you can only feel for Gloucester because they performed exceptionally well to win down at Sandy Park, who, you know, Exeter haven't been beaten at home in over a year. Even though it's a young team, Gloucester will be going back up the M5, devastated with how they had a nine-point lead with five or six minutes to go and they ended up losing the game. Well, that's the hard thing as a Gloucester fan as well. How many times we said that last season? You remember, and actually the season before as well. Like could have, should have, would have, one-point games, two-point games, last-minute decisions. Quarter of the way through, is that what you said, Andrew? Third. A third. A third, a third not m- quite a quarter. Come on, respect your math teacher. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm Six sorry, Mrs. Good. Games. 21 quick maths. So they're eighth and Leicester are ninth as well. Long season, long season. Producer Rob's come to the table with a big smile this week as his Newcastle Falcons scored four tries, got their third point of the season. 
Andy Rowe, you're being horrible to everyone today. You're going after Jim. Now you're going after Rob. Rob can't even defend himself. He hasn't even got a mic. What are you, you going to say about me? I look look like at a his big smile. Rob, give us a thumbs up. Are you happy with Newcastle at the minute? As a Newcastle fan, I know you've got the boots back on so you don't go down to the stadium as much. Give us a thumbs up. Why are you shaking your head? Give us a thumbs up as a Newcastle fan. Are you happy, yes or no? Mate, I can't be happy. They've played six, lost six. <laughs> He's not happy. Did anyone see the picture of producer Rob on Instagram? Did. How good was that? Yeah. How many tackles do you reckon he made or did he just roll around in the mud <laughs> and make it look like him? That's what I'd have done. I'd have rolled around the mud afterwards. But uh, That's exactly what he did. I reckon he made three tackles. It weren't that muddy, but he's thought, you know what? I'm going to roll around in a massive puddle, make me look like I'm an absolute warrior, post it on social media and hope that the lads interact with it, which we did. So Rob's got his boots back out. He's playing. And I'm worried about the lid, Rob. I'll be honest. Just you don't want to roll around that much in the mud with all the pesticides and everything like that, especially up there. You know? I can sort him out, like I sorted you out, Jim. With your, have you? Are you going to admit that yet, Jim? Or not? What is it, City man? You're, you've had your hair done. I can't. I can't put my head down. My neck's fucked. <laughs> How good is Derby weekend, though? It's great. You boys must have some fond memories of some scraps on Derby Day. Yeah, I mean, Jim would have played in quite a few. Obviously, the Gloucester Bath one. Would have been pretty big back in the day. The Leicester Northampton one, that, that's my favourite memories of games. Jim's mentioned the Saris Quinns one as well, where there's a fair bit of hate. When I played at Worcester, no one really cared about us. But yeah, listen, the memories of playing Saints, one of my very first games at Leicester, one of my first starts actually, was Saints away during the 99 World Cup. Scored my very first try for Leicester Tigers. Oh, damn. But yeah, there's rivalries and there's rivalries, right? And speaking of grudge matches, James. It doesn't get much bigger than the Army versus the RAF, does it? It doesn't. I know wholeheartedly who I am supporting. Go on. And that isn't just because we're with the Army next week, which is going to be unbelievable. Rob and his mate, Wee Jimmy, they've been Goody and Jim. They've been doing a trial run for us. So we're with the Army next week. A bit lighter, though. Slightly lighter, slightly smaller. But they've been wearing my size 15 black boots to break them in. I told them, I said to Rob, I'll give them 100 quid if you can break my boots in. I've asked them to give you boots that are two sizes too small. But for me, it's always going to be the army. Wanted to join the army. If I was small, I would have been a pilot. But I'm not small, so I wasn't. So I'm going all in on the army. There we go. Well, I can't wait for it. We are spending two days in Aldershot. And I've only agreed to fly the helicopters and shoot guns. I don't know what this breaking your boots in to do a 20k run is with something on your back and then... I think I know. So basically, we're going to do paintballing where the smallest has to run first and you will be running in a pair of pants and boots Kamikaze. across the field. And then I've got to blitz you with a paintball gun. <laughs> and you've got to see if you don't scream. I can't run. Can I do it in the range or not? And then you can fire it at that. Yeah, you can do that as well. And also, I've heard that we're going to be dangling from a helicopter. That's what I we're going to be doing. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm going to be tasering you from underneath. There we go. Well, we're going to be heading down to Aldershot next Wednesday to watch the under-23s lads at the Army Rugby Stadium. Kickoff is at 7 o'clock and it's free entry. So all our loyal servicemen and women listeners and Aldershot locals come down and watch the game. Say hello. We're going to do a, a bit of a pep talk before the game. We're going to be on the Army team. Let's go, Army. Can't wait for next week. I'm not looking forward to the fish finger beds, though. Yeah, well, hopefully I'm in the officer's mess and you're with the... I'll be in with the riffraff. The mongrels, with the privates. Yeah, you'll be with the riffraff, that's what we'll do. But older shot, I didn't realise, it's only about an hour outside of London. I thought it was further than that. I thought it was a lot yeah. further. So yeah. if you're in the vicinity of that, get down to older shot, come and abuse me and Goody. He'll have paintball bullet holes all over him and his feet will be in pieces and I'll be a million dollars. 
Well, Sevens is kicking off next weekend in Dubai and then Cape Town and Antoine Dupont, Michael Hooper and co are converting for the Paris Olympics. Anyone else that you guys would like to see do the same? Do you want to try and pick a crossover team? I'd love to see Jim play sevens. <laughs> Andrew, I did play sevens. I played... Andy Rowe, why are you laughing, mate? It's my birthday. He didn't say happy birthday. And now you're just laughing at me. So I played sevens for Leicester when it was the Middlesex yeah. seven. Scored a try from the halfway line. Mm. Promise I did. And then I let in three tries because I was absolutely bollocks. But I did score a try in the sevens. I'm going down to Cape Town, actually, for that one. The sevens game is... And Jim mentioned it then about when he played. The sevens game has changed so much and players have become so specific to sevens or fifteens. Mm. There used to be a massive crossover, right? And I remember the last Olympics where there was a fair few boys, English boys. Quade Cooper crossed over, yeah. Sonny Bill. Yeah, there was a few of them. And you're like, oh, as a rugby union 15s fan, you're like, they could definitely do it. You speak to some of the sevens lads and they're like, nah, you won't be able to. It's a whole different game. And it's got further and further apart. But... If there are a few that can do it, Dupont, definitely. Hooper, you know, what a legend. And you've got to start thinking about players that I'd like to see. Henry Arundel would absolutely carve up oh at sevens. Oh, my God. you imagine? But then it's also a different level of fitness as well. Yeah. So 15s fitness, and you can have the fittest of 15s players. I remember when I was speaking to some of the sevens lads, and they were like, oh, you know that fitness test that you do, like the standard England fitness test that you used to do? How do you feel afterwards? Oh, absolutely fucked. And lads are literally struggling. Oh, we have to do it back to back. So sevens boys do it twice back to back. So it's a whole different level of fitness. But listen, there's some class 15s players that could go and make it. Penno, obviously. I'd love, to, from an England perspective, Arundel would be unbelievable, I reckon. I reckon Richie Moanga would be an amazing crossover. Yeah, he'd be pretty good. Jim? Uh, do you reckon I do might one? be a bit... Bit of a big horse. Stick him in the scrum, pal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that, well that's how bad it's got that we're talking about putting Duan van der Merwe in a scrum. Well, it's Come a chicken on. scratch, isn't it? John Lomu was in the scrum. Yeah, John Lomu. He was in the scrum as well. But there's loads of players I think could cross over. I saw an article in South Africa. I didn't read it. I just saw some names. But you think about South Africa as a team, world champions, yeah. back-to-back, as we know. The forward pack, who would make it into a sevens team? Quagga Smith, he's from a sevens background and he's managed Without to cross doubt. over and is absolutely phenomenal. He's probably of that Ben Earl ilk as well. So Ben Earl could probably cross over. But mm. think about the South African backs, which would yeah. carve up Cheson Colby, Caden Moody, Kirtley Aronser, just to name a few, Jesse Creel. Yeah. Imagine as well. And this is what, like, you actually go through the names. You mentioned Sonny Bill. Imagine Rico Ioani as well. We had Nick Gill saying he's the ultimate athlete. He was amazing. Do you know what I mean? So he's from, he, I, I say he's from that. He's done that. Caleb Clark, did it kind of wreck him a little bit by trying to do the sevens because he had to lose yeah. a bit of weight for it? He didn't even make the squad, did he? But that's what I mean. So you've got to be quite careful. But the profile and the light is now on sevens because you think of the Olympics in two years so what the French are doing and this is the talk I think there was going to be an announcement around Anton Dupont having the Six Nations off so he could train so it's, it shows you you can't just cross over straight away can you so if Anton Dupont's going to go into the sevens it's going to need some time to adjust and train lose a little bit of weight the fitness stuff around that I mentioned Penno you think Gavin Villiers as well he's from sevens yeah. he could be phenomenal you think of Fijians like Lavani Bottier he could do it Marcus Smith from England Curry yeah Curry yeah he needs to lose a bit, I think. He's a bit bigger than mm. Ben Earl, is he? I don't know. Yeah. Probably similar. Yeah. Yeah. But the Olympics, you're thinking in France. You can understand why France would do it. I know Michael Hooper's doing it for Australia, but you can understand why France, especially having not won the World Cup, the Olympics is there. I know it's nothing like winning the World Cup, and that's no disrespect to Fiji winning gold, which was 
obviously amazing for them. But I can see why France would try and go all in with the likes of Damien Penault, Dupont, Villiers potentially as well. But yeah, yeah, It'd be interesting. And the thing is, you talk about that, Jim. Big news coming out of France. Yeah, I just saw that pop up earlier. Rafael Ibanez moving aside. I think it was in January or something. He announced that he'd signed to twenty twenty eight. I mean, that's a long contract. What's happened? Obviously, Gautier's under a bit of pressure or the disappointment of not winning your home World Cup, losing in the quarters, which I still look back on it right. And France were unlucky. You've lost to the champion team by not very much. Same with Ireland. You've lost to New Zealand by not very much. It's not the end of the world. But to some people it is, especially as it's the home World Cup. There you go. Because of the home World Cup, I, yeah. you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Well, I think he's being moved aside as opposed to completely got rid of because they probably can't afford to. But when I read the news, all I thought of was Jim's interactions with Fabian Gautier. And I'm like, he's he's got a gun pointed at him and he's pointed at the nearest and dearest. Raph, you got to go. Deny, deny, blame someone else. But on France, Cockers has gone from Montpellier. So they've been there yeah. four months. Ruthless. Yeah. Your tweet was funny, actually. Bernard Laporte should be in jail. <laughs> he should be. Well, it's so French, isn't it, right? And, you know, there's the whole thing around Altrad and what happened with Bernard Laporte, who had to suspend himself from his own job because he <laughs> was corrupt, as you like. And he's now gone back to Altrad, who was part of the corruption anyway. And Cocker's, poor Cocker's got the sack. And we spoke about it last week, didn't we, in the in the bad about how bad Montpellier had been at the start of the season. But, geez, I hope Cocker's got a hell of a payout because... When you booted four months in and Bernard the door, Bernard Laporte has come in who's corrupt as you like. There's a payment gone somewhere, isn't there? That's all I'm saying. Well, I'll find out, Goody, because his kids babysit my kids. So if they're rocking up with Rolexes on, I'll know that they've invested <laughs> the money wisely. <laughs> Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at tommyjohn.com slash Spotify. tommyjohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. We'll chat about the URC in a minute, but we can have a chat now with someone who was back in club action for the first time since the World Cup at the weekend. Scotland skipper Jamie Ritchie joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Jamie, class to have you, mate. I know I saw you last week. I wasn't sure how far away to get him back. I actually forgot how bad your injury was during the World Cup. So firstly, just touch on what injury it was and how good it was to be back playing after the World Cup and into the first URC game for yourself. Yeah, so I just had a, an AC on the shoulder, so like a grade three AC. So it was, yeah, it was six weeks ended up being, luckily it didn't need any surgery. So um, yeah, just a little bit of rest and rehab. And then, yeah, it was, it was great to be back out with the Edinburgh boys at the weekend. Quick question then. Jim said he saw you last week, which was, I think it was at the Edinburgh game, right? Like how much of annoyance is it that he's rocking up now? Remember me, big Jim, I used to play. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I went up to him. I saw him first. I went up. To I him, was so incognito. Jamie, Jamie, it's Big Jim. I was yeah. your VC. I oh, know. No, it is good. There's a good buzz in there, Jamie. Like I was saying to the lads at the. It was the Dam Health, but it's not now. It's at the Hive Stadium now. But it's not. It's High. It's Hive Stadium. It's it is Hive. hive. It's oh, hives, is it Hive? There we go. I need to get my marketing spill yeah. spot on. But there is a good vibe there, isn't there? I was selling it to the lads. I said I went there as a fan last week, and with the purpose-built stadium that's at the side, Edinburgh screaming out for it but there's a real kind of energy and vibe around the club at the minute yeah it's brilliant i think it was something that we probably needed for for a long time as you know like 
Edinburgh have kind of dotted about a few different places over the years and then we're in the big stadium for a long time and like for all that is brilliant playing there every week it's it's also quite a nice place for for opposition to come like and even if you're getting five six thousand to a game like in a 67,000 seater stadium they're getting drowned out so having the new stadium has been brilliant for us um it suits the way we want to play because it's a quite a fast surface and um and the crowd are much closer to the to the ground yeah so uh, everyone's enjoying it and you mentioned then about your shoulder being back for the first game you probably couldn't have picked a bigger team to play against than the Bulls, could you? So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that one. It's a good, real test of to see where it's at. But um, yeah, no, it seemed to hold up all right. The World Cup. How quickly did you have to get over it? How tough was it as captain? We had Andrew Porter. He spoke about the heartache that he had of the quarterfinal. Was it different for Scotland because of how tough the pool was, or was it still? gutting of how it all unfolded or was it easier to take I know it's quite a hard question to answer but you know how I'm trying to ask it aren't you because there was no expectation it was such a tough pull for us yeah there certainly might not be the expectations kind of outside the group but we we certainly believe that we we could have beaten at least one of those teams to get ourselves out of it and as you know like in a world cup pre-season you put a lot into it like it's a lot of sacrifice in terms of your time away from family and and you really put in a, a lot of effort. The guys were in great shape going into it. We felt like we were, we, we prepared well, we played well in the warm-ups and stuff. And um, yeah, and then to kind of come up short in those two games, it was it was pretty gutting. And I, it took a wee while to get over. I think I was probably one of the luckier ones that ended up with a with a wee bit more time off just with the combination of like being injured and stuff like that. It was frustrating for us and we were, we were disappointed. And it's hard to kind of watch the teams go on and, and you feel like you could maybe have done well in some of those quarterfinals but um, yeah unfortunately it's just the the way they kind of it went for us and just talking about I mean let's get to the bones of it I've said it a million times on here Jim probably a bit less so but you're the captain of Scotland you're looking at the, the group and you'd have backed yourself as you said to win one of those two games but ultimately yeah, you played two of the best teams in the world at the time and you look at some of the other groups did you feel shafted by the draw is effectively what I'm saying without being too blunt about it but you know, that's what everyone outside of Scotland has been saying around how Scotland were in their best ever position in terms of how good the team is, the rugby you're playing, the quality in the team and the squad. And then, you know, it's kind of like a, a task that maybe to all the outsiders thought was impossible. Inside the group, it wouldn't have felt that. But you've been shafted by the draw, effectively. Oh, I think when you're in it, it's it's one of those things you've got. You've got to play what's in front of you. And um, like, if you want to do well in these tournaments, you're going to have to to play and try and beat these teams at some point. So for us, we were very much of the mindset that like we've got them at the start. So we saw it as a positive, like we've got them at the start, we'll try and beat them at the start. And obviously it didn't play out that that. It maybe sounds like a political answer, but like uh, it, it was just the way it, it always kind of had been. I'm glad that they've changed it now. I think it's it's better for the game in general. Fortunately, it was just the kind of hand we were dealt and we, and we had to play it. Must have been so tough though, watching England get all the way to the semi-finals and almost make the final and how shit house they were. If whoa, you guys whoa, had whoa, been, whoa, whoa. If you best, had been in their draw, in the world, mate, we if, are. if Scotland had been in that position, they would have got as far, if not one well, further. Well, Jamie referenced it, didn't he? He said he looked at the quarterfinals and if Scotland were in some of that. I know, look, if you don't laugh about it, you cry, but Andy Rowe's got a point. We're not trying to push you on this too much but there needs to be a shift there will be a shift going forward for the next draw of the World Cup but you do look at it like that Jamie like Andy's saying a team England like we've beaten them comfortably you look at the, the quarterfinals right and um, what was it five of the eight teams we had beaten in, the, in that calendar year four of which we'd beaten with a bonus point say no more 
drop the mic. He's just trying to <laughs> drop the mic. And it comes down to performance on the day. Who's to, who's to say if we'd played them in the World Cup, we would have we would have won. I, I don't know, but like for us, we felt that we were we were in a great position going into that World Cup. And um, and look, like I say, we had to play the hand we dealt. We didn't play to our potential in the two biggest games, so that's on us. You played against South Africa and Ireland. Ireland with the world number one team. Again, Six Nations played against them. South Africa, what was the tougher game? And off the back of that, were you surprised to see South Africa go all the way? I would say that the Ireland game was was tougher just because I felt that they played probably their best rugby that I'd certainly experienced um, against them that when we, when they played us, even though I was only on for 20 minutes. Felt it in those 20 minutes. But I think, I wouldn't say I was surprised that South Africa went on to win it. Like they, they've been in those positions before. They can they can win those tight games and they can they can squeeze out victories and off the back of performances maybe where they've not played to their best. I must say that of the two of them, I was surprised that South Africa were the two, that, the, the one that went on to, to win it. If I'm looking at the two games that we played against them, uh, I thought it would have been Ireland. But no, like I said, I wasn't surprised that they won it. Yeah. And then looking at the World Cup, we've been probably a little bit negative around the draw and what happened. But for an experience, it's an unbelievable tournament, isn't it? And you're the skipper. You'd have loved some of the moments that you've had there throughout the tournament. What was your favourite moment? Because it's, it's an unbelievable experience to get to a World Cup and live that life. Probably some of the stuff around the off-field bits with, with the team. Like There was a really great day we had after the South Africa game when we had our bye week. We all got back to our hotel in Nice or well closer to Antibes and the girls had got back early with the families and stuff like that and we just had a day where like everyone was just enjoying each other's company like we're in everyone was in the pool with each other's kids and like everyone was just kind of stuck to it. it was a really great day for like team connection it just kind of made me feel part of something that was really special like that kind of connection in our groups has been brilliant so yeah that was probably my favorite my favourite day of it. Yeah, you say that if you're under eight percent body fat and you're hanging around the swimming pool with <laughs> wives and kids, you're probably all right. Anything over that, you're probably embarrassed with your t-shirt on and saying that you've got sunburn. But we've got a big listenership in Scotland, so people naturally coming up to me, not because I was vice captain against Romania for ten minutes, because I'm a Scotland fan. I love Scotland. I love you lads. I love my country. I love everything that you lads stand for and that you play for. What's the expectation now? Are you happy to say right now? We need to win something. We need to win the Six Nations. We need to put pressure on ourselves to be able to say that. You can't keep working on four-year cycles, can we? No, I don't think so. I think, like, I'd love to go out and win a Six Nations. Obviously, I would. I think we're capable of doing it. In the World Cup, the teams like Ireland, South Africa, they're, they're further on in their journey than us. Like, we're still, I feel like we're still improving. We've still got bits of our game that we can be better at. And, yeah, we've got an opportunity to kind of take those learnings from the World Cup into the Six Nations and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a good crack at it. And that's the big thing, isn't it? When you look at the profile of the squad, I mean, I'm looking from an outsider's point of view, there isn't going to be that much change in terms of that many players retiring. I know a few have gone, but the continuity of the fact that Greg is staying, the positivity around actually the moment that Scotland are in, it's everything to go for, isn't it? You, you look at some other teams and there's going to be loads of changes. Ireland obviously losing Sexton, but you boys, there's going to be a continuation, right, of the form that you've shown over the last 18 months, two years, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think we love the Six Nations. I think it suits the suits the way we play, playing against those teams that we know so well. And we're always up for it. And I think, yeah, like you say, having that, that continuity within the squad where I don't think we've lost too many, maybe one. I think Rambo would be the, the main one that's gone. Can't think of anyone else. Yeah, so we're straight into it. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll hit the ground running, kind of backing up some of the form that we had in the last couple of Six Nations. As a captain, as a frontman for that, 
Just give us a sense of what it's like being captain of Scotland. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. It's a challenge, uh, but one that I enjoy. I enjoy the thought that I, that goes into it, the managing of situations that come with part of being in a team where you've got the majority of guys are made up for two different sides and then you've got the odd guys coming in. Like there's a, there's a lot of people who work closely together a lot of the time and then some people who are rivals half the year and all that kind of thing that it's, it's all good fun but managing that stuff like kind of out the external stuff is, is quite easy I think where a team that's not motivated by the kind of external noise so to speak where our, all our stuff's kind of internal and we gain confidence from what we, what we do and what we what we say within the group and do you work on that Jamie do you work on that personally I've not had a phone call yet to talk about my experiences as vice captain but <laughs> they were dark days for Scotland they were Jim very dark days they were foundations Andrew it's got to start somewhere Jamie do you chat to anyone about it does anyone help you on that journey from other sports other industries yeah so we've had a couple of people over over the last couple of years who have, who have come in and helped around the leadership stuff we had a guy Frank Panisi who's the manager at Melbourne Storm he came and worked with us for a wee bit so I really enjoyed some of the stuff he spoke about we've got uh, Walsh at the moment Aaron Walsh who's in with us he's our kind of mindset and mental skills coach within the group he's been really good we've brought in something that we call a mindset anchor for the week which has been brilliant for me in terms of how we set up our messaging throughout the week in terms of like we can draw from whatever that mindset anchor is. We can we can build our messaging, both attack defensively around that and, and kind of streamline everything so it's really clear for the, the group. Do you feel there's a role for Jim Hamilton to play in any of that, knowing the character that he is? And could he bring any strengths to this Scotland outfit? I'm a cheerleader. Definitely. I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> exactly. No, I think it, like we welcome yeah, any input as any forward players that are around and... Yeah, we'd love it. We'd love having Big Jim in. It'd be great. Here's your opportunity, Jim. No, no, you missed the last line that Jamie said. He said, for the crack. That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Just off the back of reading up on some of your history, I read about the silver medal in judo when you were younger, which makes you pretty hard. Basically, people talk about boxing, but... Not many people can beat anyone at judo. Well, they say that, Goody. They say if you can run a 5K under 20 minutes and you can choke someone out, you're a dangerous man. That's what they say. There you go. And I reckon, (laughs) Jamie, you got both of them in you. You talk about hard players. Who's the hardest guy that you look at? Obviously played the Safkins or whatever, but that you think I'd struggle to choke him out with my judo skills? Oh, Camille Shacks. Imagine trying to get your arms around that. There'd be nothing to choke him out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Judo's a funny one. Uh, The translation from Japanese to English of judo is the gentle way. The gentle way to die. The gentle way to die, but I did not know that. <laughs> because it's, yeah, there's no punching or kicking, so it's seen as like a, as a gentle martial art. It's so cool though, isn't it? Like knowing that like <laughs> if it kicks off, you're with your kids, like I'm going to have to throw down and there's a chance that my jaw could get smashed, whereas you would just <laughs> slip slip behind them and literally just put them to sleep. Like such an alpha fucking skill that. Love it. Uh, it's good for see when in pre-season, when you often like you end up SNC coaches usually think it's a good idea to go and try and do judo. Uh, so that's usually quite good fun when we get when you get to go back there and and then maybe the first couple of times you pretend like you don't know what you're doing and then just dominate people. <laughs> well, no, I don't know. There's some pretty strong boys. Like strength goes a long way as well in judo because it's weight classed. And I stopped doing it when I was 15. So like that silver medal you were talking about, the category for that was under 60 kilos. So that was a long, long. I'm time. way off that. I, I wouldn't. I'm way yeah. off that. Edinburgh's made a strong start to the season as well. You guys are, what, lost one, one four 
What are, what are the goals for you guys this season? Certainly, like looking to make playoffs. We want to get back to making Hive a hard place to come to. So it's hard to win away from home here, and that's probably our two biggest things. But just like looking to play a bit smarter, I think as well. I think in the past we got caught overplaying. So yeah, making sure we're, we're, we can play a little bit more pragmatically, so that when we do create opportunity, we've we've not wasted our energy and we can execute. Cockers could be back. He's just left Montpellier. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, I'm not sure. Who no knows? Comment. No comment. No comment. No, no comment. comment. <laughs> it's a long old slog, though, isn't it? As well, Jamie. The URC. It's a long old shift. And they look at the Premiership. We were talking about the Prem. Obviously, that's what we chat about as well as the URC. But long old slog with Europe as well, or the Champions Cup as well. Yeah, definitely. I think we've, it's certainly a long way to go. We're what four or five games in, so yeah, you've got a long time. The season's long this year as well, isn't it? Because it started late, so we'll be finishing what June time. Mm. So yeah, there's a long old way to go. There is your hundredth game this weekend, I believe. If you play against Benetton for Edinburgh, now obviously you're brilliant and congrats getting all that way. And Scotland squad, Scotland captain, Scotland starting to be a hero. You see players like Ben White going to Toulon, you see obviously Finn and his Lambo down in Bath. And I know you're going to say, no, I'm very happy playing in Scotland, but do you have desires to play further away outside of Scotland before? Because there is only two teams and I can't ever imagine you playing for the other one. But Well, I was actually supposed to play for Glasgow. So the way it used to work in Scotland, if you're from Caledonia, you were aligned to Glasgow. So all my like under 18s age grade rugby was actually played for Glasgow. And then it was Solly and Gregor were the head coaches at the time. And Solly offered me a, a full-time contract. And Gregor only offered me an academy contract. So I ended up at Edinburgh. There you go. And Gregor's made up for it though by giving you the armband. <laughs> yeah, well, he still brings it up. He still brings it up. I've still got another year after this year at Edinburgh so I'm not looking into it too much I did have a, a sabbatical clause in my contract for after the, the World Cup so I could have potentially gone away for a bit of time then and played I don't know somewhere abroad but just with the timing of it and it was one of those ones where just been given the captaincy so I didn't want to miss a Six Nations wanted to stay and obviously it was a new coach at Edinburgh and things like that so yeah, decided to stay and look, like, it's too far ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Jamie, he's a man of honour, Jim. No, no, he's no, the opposite no. of you. He's no, the opposite no. of you, a man of honour. Make him sweat. You're doing it wrong, Jamie. You actually should say on the pod, I'm thinking actually about no, my no, options he's already. He's a loyal man <laughs> and he's a man of honour. The opposite of you and I, Jim. Yeah, I'm just thinking double the salary. Never say never. But yeah, Smart. Um, That's <laughs> it. That a boy. That a boy. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Jamie. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. Awesome, Jamie. Good luck, mate, the weekend. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Top lad. Top lad. Great lad. And honourable, honest, loyal. Scottish, basically. True Scott. He's a true Scott. Do you know Scott. what? I did think halfway through, I didn't want to say it to him. It's amazing to get a Scott on here that's got a Scottish accent as well, because all the other ones we've had on haven't got Scottish accents. Ah, he's a true Scotsman. Get a job though, Jim. You could have pitched then. What doing what? Well, he said there's always space for the crack. Well, just the crack. The crack. I'm 41 years out. old now. I don't need crack. No, no, no. I am an honourable member of society. There's no crack anymore. I'm a okay. father of four. You know. And we going on a trip. I did. I did say that. I, th- I know what I specifically said. I need a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, Jamie Ritchie. Let's take a look at the rest of the URC now then, the South African sides. Are they still celebrating or what's going on there? Big win for Connacht. Big win. Statement win. Massive win. Absolutely enorm. So they lose to Zebra last week. The Sharks, I'm not going to call them Hollywood bet Sharks, it's too much of a mouthful. 
that's enough promo for them, for their sponsor. Sorry, Marco. Must win game against Connor, who played Edinburgh last week. I said that I went to that game with JJ. Look, they look very good. The way that they're set up, they've had a great start to the season. They were top of the league before the game against Edinburgh last week. So it weren't going to be easy. And that is not just a statement win for Connor, but that's worrying. For the Sharks, they had the Kanyam was playing. I know that Evan Etzebeth wasn't playing. They've lost Sia Khaleesi. So there's some big names. But you're thinking Connor at home, no disrespect, no Bundiaki, no Mac Hansen. They've got JJ Hanrahan playing at 10 for them. How are they going to do? And goodness me, right down to the wire. Kian Prentagast and Dave Heffernan with the Heather. turnover at the end, which was the game winner for them. One point game. So you look at the Sharks, they had a load of changes last year. Tough start to the season for them. We said it was going to be tough for the South African teams. They normally don't start very well. It's kind of proven that way, even though the Bulls were top of the URC before this weekend. They had a tough game against Edinburgh, had a red card in that game. Kutsia got red carded. But yeah, statement win for Connor. We've got some quality players to come back in. Sharks played five, lost five. Get off the piss, lads. Stop celebrating the World Cup. I'm joking. But it, Jim's right, the balance of it. They'll come good just how far they're behind and you know as we know South Africans ain't down for long whatever team is they're not down for long are they they'll be back up and they all lost this weekend though all the South African teams mm. Mm. the re-round of the final against Munster at Torman Park oh 10-3 epic wouldn't it Jim absolute belter mate classic but and I'll get to it in a bit shout out to Stephen Archer equaling Donica O'Callaghan's record 268th Munster appearance so yeah good win for Graham O'Rountree's boys but the big news Talking URC. Cannot believe it. I couldn't it only, believe what happened. I was seeing. I couldn't believe what I was seeing unfold. You say it. They won. The drags. The, fuck, the dragons, the dragons, the dregs, the drags won. Comfortably. Controversy though. Oh, well, don't fuck with Dan Barr. I mean, it's a red card every day of the week, but Dan Barr, do not put your hands on my friend Ben Whitehouse. Don't touch me. Yeah, not good. But listen, let, let's talk about the result itself because... We give the Dragons on here an absolute hammering. So if we give them a hammer, how about the Ospreys? Like, come on. <laughs> You've lost to the Dragons 20 points to five. Rio Dyer's back in. He plays. Evans was pretty decent, I thought. The red card, obviously, for Prothero was... It's a red card every day of the week, isn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, credit where it's due, Dragons. You've won your first game in about 16 years. So we'll give you a shout-out. So backhanded, though, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Leinster rolled out their big guns. That looked impressive too, didn't they? Impressive. 50-odd points. Rolled out the big guns. Friend of the show, Andrew Porter. Kello was playing. James Ryan, Caelan Doris, me old Doris. Josh van der Flair, Jameson Gibson Park. They were all playing. So they had uh, Gary Ringrose, Jimmy O'Brien, Hugo. Well, he played the week before, but Hugo Keenan. You actually look at the quality that Leinster have got. Big season for them. I know that's an obvious statement to make. Look, you can talk about the game. They've put 50-odd points on Scarlets, a team run. Welsh teams are struggling. We mentioned that, even though the Drags won. But Leinster, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Andrew Porter spoke about Jacques Ninaba, the effect that he can have. It seems like there needs to be a shift in mindset. They walk through these games. We see it every single year. For them, it's going to be about the Champions Cup. It's going to be the business end and how they get that mental attitude right and look you know this isn't me calling them out this is me making I'd say a fair statement there's question marks over Leinster now not whether or not they can win games throughout the season we know that the likelihood is they'll finish top or thereabouts and you look at the quality in that team 
But when it really matters and the pressure's on, similar to Ireland in the quarterfinals. Jim, why have been horrible? We want to go back to Dublin. Andy Rowe was in Dublin this weekend. I know he was, yes, I know. And, and he got let in. We want to go back there for live shows and stuff. Well, if they let Andy Rowe in and the All Blacks was the team that took Ireland down, then I'm sure they'll let this in. We ain't doing anything wrong. <laughs> no, no. It's fair, it is a fair call, that, and that's going to be the relentless question around Leinster for the rest of the season and the big fact that Johnny Sexton's retired. But yeah, I mean, they're going to be in the knockouts without a shadow of a doubt, and they're very good. They've been very good for the last 15 years in the season games, but those questions that James has posed around their capabilities of winning knockout games will be found out later in the year. If they are to win these knockout games at the end of the year... Don't say it. What do they have to do? What are oh. the questions that they've got to answer? I thought you were going to say that Johnny Sexton's been holding them back. Why have been horrible? <laughs> they have to win tight games. They have to break that hoodoo now because it is, it's the thing now. And it's something that we spoke about at the end of last season in the Champions Cup being in the final, the pressures that come with that. And this is it. This is being a good team and great team. Bloody hell, my marketing spiel is all over the place at the minute. But it is. That's what it is, isn't it? That's when you're talking about Leinster. And if you were to look at salary cap, you were to look at quality of players. They are the best team in the URC and one of the best teams in the Champions Cup. Ireland, one of the best teams in the world right now still, even though they didn't win a World Cup, they're still one of the best teams in the world. And the backbone of that team is Leinster. So the expectation is there and it's how they deal with that. Because at some point... And maybe Jacques Nienaber is the shift in mindset that they need. But how else do you look at Leinster and judge them apart from winning the Champions Cup or winning, uh, not even the URC, uh, yeah, trophies, but is the URC enough? But I think they've got to win the URC as well. They're only playing for two trophies, right? Mm. And so last year, Munster won it. The year before, the Stormers won it. They've not won it for two years. They have to win URC. And I think the last couple of years, they've probably thrown more focus on winning the Champions Cup where they've come unstuck against La Rochelle in the final both years. So for me, you know, it will come down to knockout rugby and they will be in it before long. It's The question becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and it's not only around Ireland, but it's around Leinster and it's around the Champions Cup and the URC. So it all goes hand in hand really and they'll be focused on that. And Nina, but knowing the fact that he's won the last two World Cups and Khan knows how to win big tournaments It'll be interesting how he does that without Rossi Mabru. But, you know, he's going to have a big impact on mentality, which as a Leinster fan, if you are Leinster fans, you'd, you'd hope that's, you know, the big change in mindset and the big difference. All right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, to start off with the good then, loads of good. We didn't mention Ulster because we had so much other stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about Jacob Stockdale. Yeah. The horse. Yeah, he's back on form. Five tries in four games. Yeah, I got Stevie Ferris to leave me a voice note on Ulster because I haven't seen much of them. So I said, Stevie, can you basically do my job for me if Ulster get brought up? So he sent me a four and a half minute voice note. He was asking for you. He was asking for you. He was asking for the lid guy, actually. He was asking about getting his hair done for about a minute of the conversation. Then he mentioned Tenerife. He'd been on holiday and then he went into his Ulster team. He's quite critical, but his expectations are high. He said that Stephen Kitsoff's turned up on Saturday. He gave me like a point-to-point detail on every player, but it basically said they've been all right this year and they've been winning, but he mentioned the stock horse. Stephen Ferris gave me a message on the weekend asking me if I needed any recommendations while I was in Belfast. Good man. So did Cavey, actually. Andy Rowe's got two friends. (laughs) found that out. (laughs) Anyway, back to the good. Uh, Shout out to Jacob Stockdale. What else was good? Racing. Get mentioned the good. They won the Paris Derby. 
away at Stade Francais and Stuart Lancaster's first Paris derby for him. So well done to him. The Dragons, we spoke about them. I mean, they've only beaten the Ospreys, which is another Welsh team. But the Drags, you're not in the bad for once. You're in the good. The Dregs, the Drags, Naz, Di Flanagan, the lads, they'd have gone hard in Newport the oh, weekend. So. Oceana. There you go. Big shout out to the Dragons boys. The Irish and Scottish provinces get a mention in the good this week. All unbeaten this weekend. Glasgow and Edinburgh won. Edinburgh looking good, yeah. as we heard about. Mm. So big shout out to the Irish and the Scottish teams. Stephen Archer, we mentioned him earlier. He gets a shout in the good. Munster legend, 268th appearance, equaling Donica O'Callaghan's record. Saracens get a mention in the good. Absolutely destroying Harlequins and have won 10 out of the last games versus their pesty little London friends. So shout out to Saracens. Connacht get a mention the good this week. They won 13-12 at the Sharks, as we spoke about. Big, big win down in Derbs. They had the fact of 50 out. They were sweating, but they've done very well to win over there. But the good this week goes to Alan Wynne-Jones. Hanging up his boots after an incredible career. Got a standing ovation coming off for Toulon. Away at Claremont, the whole stadium was on their feet, clapping him. Which is unreal, really, when you think about it, as in, in a French stadium and... Yeah. You're thinking, oh, it's a bit sad that he's not out there in the Ospreys in front of 30 people. He's actually there. <laughs> Again, the irony, the irony, the fact that he's in France, right, where he's got no real affiliation apart from having played rugby for a long, long time and the respect globally that he's got, fair play to him. Fully deserved. And my only hope for Alan Wynne-Jones now is that he loosens up a bit. I want to see the Alan Wynne-Jones from Ibiza that does the splits whilst putting his finger knuckle-deep into the back of his mouth, sliding Where's it out slowly. Where's that finger been? Where's it been? Like, how are you that loose? Like, what's happened in Ibiza? Like, I want to see that now, Alan Wynne-Jones. You've got your own drinks company. I don't know whether it's whiskey, rum, brandy. It might be all three. Let's get fucking loose. Let's be having you. <laughs> Where are you? Let's be hearing you. Let's be having you. The funny thing about it, he's gone off to the stand innovation and, like, he looked quite emotional. He's had to come on back on with two minutes to go oh no and he, he ends up setting up the winning try as well so hell of a finish like you given the standing O off you go you're probably stiff as a board on 60 odd minutes and then he comes back on with two minutes to go and sets up the winner so um, yeah massive shout out to him that's why Alan Wynne-Jones we want to see Loose Alan let's get him to a live show we want to see Alun. Alun. let's be having you where yeah, are you yeah. Alan Wynne-Jones that is why you win the good this week hell of a career hang up the boots and let's get loose. The bad, few bits of bad. All the South African teams lost in the URC at the weekend. Just get off the piss, lads. You've won the World Cup, yes, but it's all about the URC now. So sort yourselves out. The Scarlets get a mention in the bad. They took 50 uh, at Leinster. So not good from them, but who'd fancy playing basically Ireland's first team? Certainly not the Scarlets. Newcastle are going to get a mention in the bad. Not for their performance. And it's not for them. It's for whoever's done the Premiership fixtures because Newcastle had a five-day turnaround between their games, which is not on. Five-day turnaround's ridiculous. So not the bad for Newcastle. That's whoever gave them a five-day turnaround. Montpellier, get a mention of the bad this week. They lost again at Perpignan. Cockers has been sacked, as you know. Bernard Laporte and all his corruption has been brought into the club to sort it out. He's brought Patrice Calazzo with him as well. So they get a mention in the bad and we'll go hard at them for the rest of uh, the season, I think, unless they improve rapidly. But the bad this week, Jim, you'll be very happy to know, goes to your friends at Harlequins, getting an absolute hosing at home. It's their second biggest ever loss at home. 
to their nearest and dearest Saracens. So that's why Quinns get the bad this week. And then the ugly, couple of bits of ugly. Jim mentioned it earlier. Marcel Kutsia's red card, high shot on Pierre Schumann. No one does that to Schumann. Yeah, I know. I uh, Not happy with it? I mean, I'm happy because Edinburgh won, but for me, it's not a red card. Well, it's a mention anyway, but don't hurt Scoo. It is amazing Biltong as well, by the way. The ugly this week, though, goes to Matt Prothero and his red card for the nasty head-on-head clash with Will Reed in the epic Dragons versus Ospreys game, which the Dragons won. I don't know whether you noticed that. And also, my old mate Dan Barr, who is fitness, conditioner, high performance, whatever he is, do not put your hands on my friend Ben Whitehouse. He grabbed him. Get your hands off me, bud. Don't um, you touch me. Yeah, but no no time for touching a referee in any which way. So uh, I love how you change your tune. You never used to call him Ben Whitehouse. I've always called him Ben Whitehouse. No, uh, yeah, yeah, you used to call him Ben Whitehouse. And now I've always called ben him Ben Whitehouse. Whitehouse. He's a good bloke. Had a few beers with him. Yeah. So anyway, that's why Matt Prothero and Dan Barr, you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim? Yeah, got a big shout-out to Jamie and Ellie Thompson. Jamie is senior player slash coach. They're close friends of Effingham and Leatherhead RFC, and they've been told that their four-year-old son, Billy, unfortunately, it's a really sad one, has got terminal brain cancer. Their family and friends have set up a Just Giving page below to help make his last months as special as they can be. It's already raised an incredible amount of money, but anyone who wants to contribute to that, it would be massively appreciated. And Effingham and Leatherhead RFC are putting on a superhero day for the kids next Sunday, and the seniors will be running a car wash to help raise some funds. So Jamie and Ellie and everyone involved at the club, we are obviously thinking about you all in this terrible time and some awful news and sending all our love here from the pod. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody, and thanks, Producer Rob. Thank you very much for listening, and don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. (laughs) 